Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Katie Delbau, and you are listening to Let It Out With Me. And I'm recording from Williamsburg in Brooklyn, New York. And I want to get right into this episode because it's so great. I've wanted to have Danielle Laporte on the podcast forever, and now she finally is. And I don't even really want to talk too much about it because you'll hear me gush over my relationship with her and her work throughout the episode, but I was planning on reading a little passage from her book that I really loved that I thought you guys would love, her new book, White Hot Truth, which we talk about quite a bit in this episode, but not exclusively. We talk about a lot of other things. We talk about body image and feminism and parenting and motherhood and things I'd never heard her speak about at length before came up in this interview, which was really exciting. But we did, of course, as well, talk about her new book, White Hot Truth, because I really genuinely enjoyed it so much. And like I said, I wanted to read you a little part of it, but I can't find my book in the move. I don't know if it's still in Michigan or if it's somewhere here and I just don't know where, but I can't find it. So maybe in a future episode, maybe I'll do a favorites episode like next week or something and I'll read it in that. But for right now, you'll get to hear from Danielle directly. And if you're listening to this the day it comes out, she is actually speaking in LA on Friday, June 23rd. And the doors open for that at 6.30 p.m. So go to her website. We'll put the link in the show notes for information on her book tour. But it would be so cool to catch her live. I've never actually seen her live or met her in person. This was the first time we spoke, but I would love to someday. And if you're in LA, I highly suggest it. Speaking of speaking, I am speaking this week at Wanderlust in Vermont. I leave on Wednesday and I'll be speaking a couple times throughout the festival. So if you're going, please come say hi. Please come to my talks. I'm giving two talks on journaling and another talk called Make Your Life Your Masterpiece, Not Your Body in the Speakeasy. And that one is on Saturday, or that one's on Friday, and the other two are on Thursday, I'm pretty sure. But check the website if you are going. I can't wait to see you. And if you still want to go, I think you still can. We'll put the links in the show notes. But I'm really excited to go to Wonderlust. I've never been to Wonderlust, and I'm really excited to speak and, and meet you guys. Being here in New York has been great. I've actually already met four or five people that I've just run into either on the street or at bar class that listen to the podcast and it's it's really cool and I actually got a an Instagram message from someone saying oh we saw you at bar class but I didn't want to say hi you were you know in your practice or whatever and I was like no please say hi so that was really cool and I hope I keep running into more people and I want to do a meetup here in Williamsburg in Brooklyn in a couple weeks after I get back from Wonderlust and my friend Talia who has been a guest on the podcast. She also lives here. So I think we're going to do it together, which will be really fun. So more info on that coming soon. I want to get right into today's episode. So let's talk about the sponsors. So the first sponsor is an amazing skincare brand that I love, and I think you will love too. They're called Nudu, and that is spelled N-U-D-U, and they use really great ingredients to create these products that make you feel like you're giving yourself a facial at home, which I love. Our show producer, Amanda, loves them as well. And you really can feel 
the great ingredients in their products when you're using them. You can feel that they don't use chemicals and you know everything you put on your skin absorbs right into your blood. So you don't want to use harsh chemicals. They're just they're not great. So anyway, if you want to try out Nudu, use the code let it out. That's let it out all one word for 20% off your order. That's a lot of percentages off, you know, so just try it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. Again, that's nudu.com, 20% off. Use the code let it out at checkout. And, you know, it just lets them know that I sent you. It also gives you your discount. The link to that will be in the show notes. So please check them out. Another sponsor for this week's podcast is my friend Gabby Bernstein and her amazing online program called spirit junkie masterclass and danielle is a fan of gabby's because they're friends so it's a great episode for for her to be a sponsor of and just check out gabby's free video series it's it's really great it's free and it's launching right now and she tells you how to release some of your blocks to abundance and money and she's one of my favorite people been on the podcast several times so i highly suggest checking out her free video series and and maybe signing up for her spirit junkie masterclass. i've done it a lot of my friends have done it if you have any questions about it let me know but right now it's just the free video series that is available and you know can't hurt to check it out so use the link in the show notes to click through to the free video series that's something that lets her know again that i sent you so any questions on that any questions on new do any questions on anything let me know i want to do a question and answer episode eventually really soon too so join the facebook group if you haven't already that's where i find out the questions to answer and we talk about everything we're into so I love you guys. Thank you as always for listening and enjoy my conversation with the amazing Danielle Laporte. Um, Why are you in Detroit? What's going on there? Well, it's it's a really cool time to be here. I'm from Michigan, but I moved here um, about five years ago um, for my job. And it's really cool. Like a lot of young people are moving to the city and artists and the cost of living is great. And it's, I love it here, but I'm actually moving mm. next week to New York City. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, cool. I've been wondering how Detroit is doing. Next time I go to Windsor to visit family, I'm going to go across and yes. see what's happening. Yeah. yeah, well, I wish I would be here and I could show you around. I can at least tell you all the good places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll email you. Cool. Um, well, thank you again so much for doing this. I'm, oh, yeah. Thank I you. I started this podcast in 2013, and I made a list of all the people I wanted to have on, and you were, like, the first one on the list, so this is really uh, cool. <laughs> right on. We did it. We did, we did it. it. <laughs> so congratulations on the new book. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's feeling good. Feeling well, good. Yeah. before we – I want to talk about – you and your past and your future and your present, but I've been liking starting this podcast in the present with what is fascinating you? What are you realizing? What have you been contemplating, you know, lately, like in the last today or week? Hmm. Okay, so we're just rolling. I'm going to get into it. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Is that okay? We'll just kind of talk oh, yeah. naturally and then I end with some quick fire questions, but it's just really organic like this. Yeah. Okay, so what am I realizing? I am realizing that my creativity is my salvation. 
And it's like so, such a current lesson. Um, I've had moments in the past, like I was in Bali once. I was having a terrible time. It was extra terrible because everybody else was telling me how magical Bali was. (laughs) And it felt like the trip was cursed for me. I got this motorcycle accident. It was just, it was bad. And I was there for a, a long period of time. And towards the end, I realized I hadn't had one creative idea in like two or three weeks. Mm. And But that night, went for a swim, and I thought, oh, oh, I have an idea. I want to write about that. And that's when I realized like I was coming back. And then just recently, we had like a bit of a curveball, a a business curveball thrown our way and it threw me off for like exactly 34 hours (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I realized again like to get out of to recover to get out of that I needed to create something I needed to write something or go paint so yeah my creativity is my salvation oh my goodness I love that and relate to that so much I think have you seen I forget what it might be a TED talk or maybe it's a graduation speech but there's this guy and he talks about you know no matter what happens to you like your dog dies make good art you you know get Mm -hmm. run over by a car make good art like whatever happens to you if you can take those experiences and make it art it gives your life meaning in this really interesting beautiful way Mm -hmm. and um, I have been just like kind of in the busyness of life and the day-to-day and I think I completely understand what you're saying and it hit me so hard because I think it's so true do you think that that creativity being a need that we all have and uh, I heard Brene Brown say once on Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast that unused creativity is not benign Ah, uh, it gets toxic. Is there a point that it gets toxic? Yeah, like if you don't mm. use, if you don't like make something in your life, whether it's you know a cake or you know whatever, like mm-hmm. if you're not using your creativity in some way, it's you feel blocked and you don't feel yourself and okay. Do you think that everyone has that creative need? Hmm. Yes, I do. I think about that, but yeah, because it's your life force. It's your ideas. I mean, we're idea, ideation is everything, right? Whether, you know, you're creating your meal or how you create how you're going to show up in a relationship. Like romance is a highly creative endeavor. Um, So like, I, I mean, first of all, we just need to like take off the table that creativity is about being quote unquote artistic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if you're having ideas and, and healthy impulses that you don't act on, if you're blocking the flow of your love, yeah, that stuff turns poison, it turns poisonous. And also, you know, everybody, I'm sure everybody can relate to the downsides of poison, right? And how unhealthy you become in your psyche and your body. But also it, it, uh there's this atrophy that happens too like you just will not be generally as loving if you don't let your love out you're not going to be as creative if you don't let your creativity out it's a muscle Mm, yeah 
And you're so right. Like, I feel so much better on days when I, even if I write something in the morning and it takes me 20 minutes, or if I record a really good podcast, or I write like a long, very myself email to my boyfriend, I still feel better than if I just kind of, even if I was just relaxing or like, you know, like you were saying, kind of in Bali, like I feel most myself when I am doing something that, that shows that and it can be in any element of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So your book, like I said, I love it so much. It's so amazing. And, and this podcast used to be called The Wellness Wonderland. And I ended up changing the name because I went through all of these things and I realized that I had a very unhealthy relationship with healthy eating and wellnessy things in general. And the <laughs> book speaks about that in such a beautiful, poetic way. So first of all, thank you. And then you, you know, you address a main theme in this book is self-help exhaustion and self-care becoming a to-do list, which again was so relatable to me. And I actually remember years ago in one of my favorite interviews with you that you've ever done. And maybe I should tell you I'm your number one fan girl. So I've like <laughs> really <laughs> okay. digested lots of things. So hi. Um, hi. But anyway, you were talking with Jonathan Fields years ago and I don't know what book of yours had just come out, but it was a while ago, like I said. And you had this line that just really stuck on me. And you said, and you kind of said it just like in passing, but you were like, can we just all graduate from Mm self-improvement? And so it seems to me like this was kind of a slow realization for you that you had even started way back then. So could you kind of talk about how this concept and what came to be the theme of this book came to you and how that unfolding was? Mm. Well, I was going to write a book about encouragement and it was going to be not, it wasn't about encouragement. It was me being encouraging and it was going to be a rah, rah chapter on forgiveness and then some cheerleading on grief and, you know, and I had this revelation that I'm actually not that interested in being encouraging because sometimes that can be a lot of pablum and I'm so anti-motivation because, you know, motivation is this something outside of yourself. You work to attain, you get the reward. I What I'm really into is inspiration. It's all internal. This feels good, so I'm moving towards it. So I was like, huh. <laughs> not actually about encouragement. And I was already in the middle of a book deal for a book that was about me being encouraging. And I just thought, let's just go deeper. Actually, I just was, I'm just remembering this as I'm speaking. I'm glad you asked this. Cool. I was, so in the middle of this, this creative process and, um, you know, should I sign the publishing contract and all that? I had a speaking gig in San Francisco, and how I how I work now, how I work on stage is I do, get out and I do my thing. I always start with a spoken word piece, and then I kind of preach for a bit. I just like really anchor in, set the tone, crack some jokes. Like this is like let's just get to know me, and then I open it up. It's all this. It's really like this kind of spiritual improv, and that night. It really worked. And so there's 800 women who are just shouting questions at me. And they're like, you know, and this is what I've asked them to do. 
like talk to me about writer's block and open sex uh, or open relationships and talk to us about sacred sex and talk to us about um, money and anger <laughs> and it was really sparky and fiery and it was great and I came home from that trip I was lying on my bed on my living room floor thinking about the book that I didn't really want to write I thought that's what I want it to be I want the book to feel like that and it's current and I'm not being I'm not standing up on stage being encouraging telling you that you can do it you know I'm standing up on stage saying this is what's worked for me in my life this is how I failed this is how I've been lost this is the money I've wasted this is how I got off track this is how I realized I was never off track this is where the power is and if I were you this is what I would do and we're all tribe and we've all been doing all this shit for so long and some of it is divine and some of it's compost and that is how the book came to be and I yeah that was a real moment of clarity and um, I let my editor and my agent at the time know that I want to change the title of the book and they didn't like it and I was told by a number of people in the industry that encouragement would have better search engine optimization <laughs> and I was like well too bad not only am I changing the title I'm not doing this book deal I'm going to do this book myself so that's yeah that's the genesis of it that's so cool well you can feel all of that and I'm sure you've been hearing that again and again but it, it really is true and it's super easy to read and fun to read and it sounds it feels reading that book reading the book how you described that speaking gig like it you can mm. feel that energy in the book which is cool um one thing in particular that I really related to from the book was where you talked about growing up Catholic and I did as well and applying some of that same Catholic guilt to your spiritual practices and your self-care practices and your wellness practices so I'd love if you could talk about that mm. that's a great distinction I wish I would have said that in the book <laughs> uh, that's exactly what happened as I applied that same dynamic of trying to please so there's always guilt involved where there's authority present um, yeah I just took Catholic guilt and applied it to new age stuff so instead of trying to get basically get into heaven is really what it boils down to I was just trying to like get good karma happening and it's what I call the cosmic council in the sky like just the energy, my guides, the angels, God, goddess. And yeah, so I wanted to be pure of mind, but at the same time, like super liberated, <laughs> um, more mindful, but more sensual. Yeah, just do the right thing all the time. And when you're trying to do the right thing, as in like the right thing out there, then you can't feel what the right thing is for you in here for yourself. And that was the problem. That's a big problem, actually. I think that's everybody's problem. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb <laughs> and say it is a planetary issue. This is a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing in the book that really got me was 
the concept of that you defined so well by other people, but it's the way that it's spiritual bypassing essentially, but the way that you talk about it, which I love in just one line, which is all the woo is keeping us from dealing with our poo. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that, like I, I have the book in front of me right now and I highlighted the part about instead of medicating with Marlboros and martinis, we might be doing it with metaphysics and macrobiotics. And I, I could go on like that whole paragraph is just really super spot on, but can you talk about a little bit about spiritual bypassing and how, where were you at the time when you started to kind of dismantle this clenching to this new kind of, you know, framework of thinking and started to have such a more cozy relationship with it? That did not come in a lightning bolt. So that's a very long I wouldn't say drawn out. It's just like this long process of a couple years of this and a couple years of that. And and it's all part of the search. I don't separate. It's like, you know, years ago when I was living in Seattle, I started going to the, I think it was Shambhala, but some meditation center. And I was going every Tuesday night to learn how to sit and to be a good little Buddhist meditator and it wasn't working for me. And I remember saying to the teacher afterwards, the instructor, she asked me how it was going. I said, you know, my mind does feel emptier, but my heart feels dry. And I don't want to feel this way. Like, I guess it's good because you say I should just watch my thoughts and not get attached to my thoughts. But I knew that I was like juicier. And so then I moved to Course in Miracles and doing more cosmic Christ stuff and um then eventually meditation started to feel way too heavy for me and i like oh i just drag myself drag myself in the mornings to sit down and be a good holistic person and fucking well meditate and i just like this is making me miserable i don't want to do this this is not what i want to do i want to wake up and i want to feel free to do whatever i want to do with my day and so i stopped meditating potentially indefinitely like forever I was thought maybe I'm not a meditator um I was a vegetarian for 12 years and then I hooked up with someone and married him and I was a carnivore for another 12 years 13 years and now I'm back to like really like now I'm headed towards veganism so long journey left a lot of it didn't come back to a lot of it came back to some of it and the some of it that I've come back to I'm in with my whole heart I'm one of those people I must meditate every day and I but I it works because I found the form of meditation that works for me I'm not wired to sit and watch my in breath and my out breath I do all sorts of other things that are meditative that feel lush and juicy and I got I I must do it every day because I want to. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. Oh, I relate to that so much. I like the way I behave more when I do those things, but it's so nice when you take away that Catholic guilt <laughs> that we have with it. Yeah, that oh, guilt is so most of the time, most of the time useless. Like, yes, having a conscience involves having a little bit of guilt 
about things. And sometimes you're going to do things you feel just brutally guilty for. But it usually has to do with how you've hurt somebody else. But feeling guilty about your practice, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Yeah, you want to, you want to, sometimes you got to discipline yourself and sit down and do what's best for you. But no one, no one's keeping score. Hmm. I really love your meandering, fascinating story of how you came to the work that you do now and writing and speaking and everything you do now. And I know that you've had to talk about this so many times in interviews, and I've heard all of them and loved them, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you on my podcast to speak a little bit about your story. And you, like you said, you grew up in Windsor and you grew up Catholic, and now you're where you are now. Could you talk a little bit about your career path and life path and kind of how you started and take us through that a little bit? You can do it kind of fast forward if you want. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I'll start with, I never went to university, so I just, I graduated from high school, I skipped college and and university, and I was going to go into fashion design, I was going to go to Ryerson in Toronto to study, and I realized I was sewing one night, like sewing machine, and I realized I was getting these intense headaches every time I tried to cut a pattern or so and I was like this is not my path and then there was lots of just retail and experimenting and bartending and and then I almost accidentally became a publicist so um, I mean I, I have a I'm a Gemini and I have five planets in Virgo so I must be communicating at all times <laughs> so I was wired for publicity and I started getting people on radio shows and and in newspaper newspapers and stuff like that, and then that turned into my own consultancy and my own little my own little agency to do that. That led me to uh, I got this reputation for promoting futurists. You promote one futurist, your phone starts ringing because it's such a niche. Can you and explain got, what a futurist is actually? Yeah, a futurist is someone who is looking at how current trends um, might play out in the future. That's a very simplified way to do it, Uh, way to explain it. And how do you make a living being a futurist? Well, sometimes big companies will hire you to to do trend analysis. Um, I mean, being a futurist, sometimes it's just like one part of your toolkit. You know, you're a futurist. You've taken, you've got a degree in it. You can actually go get a degree in it. And you know how to analyze all this other shit about what's happening in certain industries. Got it. And you might write, you might work for a think tank, as I ended up doing. And you write white papers on what's going to happen if weapons of mass destruction get out of control here, there, and every, you know. So we were running, I, I helped run a think tank full of people thinking about the future and getting paid to do that. For businesses in the government and it was super weird because I was female and Canadian and I only had ever gone to high school and I'm working in Washington DC with the intelligentsia you know and then um, I left that because uh, George W. Bush got into office I just like I can't, I'm gonna stay here for this and 
I pretty much fled and came back to Canada and I was with someone who I'd eventually end up marrying and I partnered with a friend to, to we, we created this little kind of Q&A on how to soulfully brand and design your life. This little formula. It was pretty cool. And uh, we wrote a book. The book got some attention. Oprah producers called. We ended up not getting on the show because of timing and stuff. And uh, But I used that. I, I leveraged what had just happened with Oprah calling us to go raise a bunch of money for the company. And uh, then I got fired from that company. So I got Steve jobbed from my own business and uh, I wrote about that a lot in my book called The Firestarter Sessions Uh, and after that I mean I left with a huge amount of debt and the company declared insolvency shortly after they fired me and there was a lot of betrayal it was it was bad news I wrote the book I, I wrote Firestarter Sessions I went out on my own I started a website ironically not so ironically divinely i called the website white, white hot, hot truth, truth. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> and i changed the name to daniellelaporte.com yeah. which is where everybody goes now and um oh I, yeah this is so then i started offering these one-on-one little sessions called fire starter sessions to help mostly women figure out how to brand themselves and start a business and grow their social media following. And they were 300 bucks for a session. It was about an hour, 90 minutes. And eventually, you know, six months, a year later, it's $1,000 a session. I was booked six months in advance. I got tired of that, tired of talking about how to rock it on Twitter. And I got a book deal for Firestarter Sessions. And it really goes on from there. And then I wrote The Desire Map, which has become a huge part of my career like desire map there's the book there's a whole licensing program somewhere in the world every weekend there's a desire map workshop there's the day planner there's an app it's like this thing that i i is still so very active in my life i still adore it and now the white hot truth yeah so cool i've been along for all of it and i have all of those products mm-hmm. <laughs> um there's That's something so awesome. in your story that well first of all thanks for sharing all of that because i think it's really helpful for for me and, and people in general just to hear that people's paths aren't necessarily linear but the the piece mm-hmm. that i'd never heard before was when i listened to you on rituals podcast a couple of weeks ago and you were talking about how you worked at the body shop between I think before you went to DC and you talked about how you had this opportunity there to you were growing with the company and you know you were kind of in this very steady job with growth opportunity but you felt a need for entrepreneurship and that really stuck with me and I would love if you could kind of talk about that pull from you know the steadiness of a working you know for a company and knowing that you said in the interview I think something like you knew it would never be yours and that's Mm -hmm. the part that really stuck with me so I think with entrepreneurship becoming kind of trendy or alluring very much right now how do you feel 
about that? Do you think there are some people who are just wired for it and it will always be a pull to do something that's theirs? Or I'd love just kind of your thoughts on that point in your life and looking back on it and then also, you know, where things are now with entrepreneurship. I think this is a gross overgeneralization, but I think you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. And I don't think entrepreneurship is superior or the better way. I mean, you have to do what feels natural to you. Some people aren't wired for the risk, and that's really cool. We need people who aren't <laughs> who aren't turned on by risk. Some people they want to be in a more um, behind the scenes support role. We need that. You can still be a genius in that in that in that dharma and that way of being. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can usually tell within 10 minutes of talking to someone <laughs> whether they're in a natural entrepreneur or not. And if you're not, don't try it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be really painful. It's painful either way. <laughs> it's just not going to be very fulfilling. So I, this is who I am. I've always been this way. Combine that with my natural ta my natural artistic abilities, which are you know mostly in writing and and like leadership quality that is how it's all that's that's why this works for me that's how it works for me yeah so and i really have authority issues like i cannot be told what i can't even follow a, a recipe to cook i'm just me like too. no i'm just like they can't that can't be right <laughs> can't yeah. be accurate i do that no. too yeah <laughs> So, and my dad, who's like, oh, God, my dad is just like, there's a lot of bravado, and he's got that entrepreneurial spirit to him, and, you know, in a, in a great sense of humor. Um, <laughs> but he once said to me, because one of my very first jobs was working in the arena canteen, you know, selling people hot chocolate and hot dogs, <laughs> and he did something, and I didn't like it. And, you know, I was his daughter, so I thought I could tell him off, you know. And he looked at me. He's he a little forceful. But he said, the boss ain't always a right, but the boss is always the boss. Ooh. And I thought, that's why I'm going to be the boss. Yeah. Like, I'm just never going to be in this position again. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I never heard you talk about that time working for that company and – like I said, it, I really related to that particular part. When did you know, you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur, but when did you know that it was time to leave that job? And did you have a, you know, any trepidation with that, knowing that you had yeah. such opportunity there? Well, it was a couple, couple of things. One, the company was in that classic place of growth where it was no longer a mom and pop business. I mean, it was you know the body shop is huge, mm -hmm. founded by Anita Roddick. It's an it's an incredible um, story about socially responsible business. I mean, these were in the days when the term socially responsible had just been coined. Triple bottom line that was like a new thing, and so you know the Canadians the Canadian couple who owned the body shop were franchising it for the country, and. So it was like two sisters and one of their husbands and it it was such a beautiful place to be in the beginning. And it was like changing. We had to become more corporate. 
So it was losing that vibe. Mm -hmm. So that made it a good time to go. And also, what was I, 23? It's always time to go when you're 23. Yeah. I mean, it's not about hanging in necessarily. And and then it was just life. My mom called me and my mom was like, I'm moving to Santa Fe. And I was like, why are you moving to California? And she's like, okay, Santa Fe is not in California. It's in New Mexico. And I was like, oh, well, I want to come too because desert. And wasn't even the plan wasn't even necessarily live with my mom. It was just like, well, I, I want to live there too. So I did. I had no furniture. I didn't have a dog wasn't anybody I was committed to. So I left. Zero trepidation. Zero. I've never made a major change with trepidation. Mm. Doesn't mean I'm there aren't fears, but I'm all I'm a, I'm a, I'm all in when I go for it. Wow. Cool. Thinking of using your path and everything that you just shared, I feel like this is a good time to segue into another thing that I loved from your book that I basically want to tell you and see if you can kind of elaborate on the podcast which is the way you talk about gratitude and being grateful and not necessarily being grateful for you can articulate this better than I can regurgitate it to you I'm sure but not being grateful necessarily just for everything that happened to you like getting canned from your own company for instance like you say in the book but what you learned from all of those experiences can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I'm, you know what? Let me tell you, out of, I've done a lot of podcasts specifically for White Hot Truth. You're the first person that's brought that up. And I've been really wanting to talk about it. So. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Yay. My, okay. my book is a mess because I have so many notes. So, I mean, uh, this could go on all night. <laughs> well loved. Okay. Something shitty happens to you. And because you're a spiritual person because you're on the path because you want to do the right thing because you're wise enough to have a broader perspective you might say something like I'm so glad I got shafted because I learned a lot and you know there's karma and maybe this is payback for something I've done and you know what they've got their own issues and their own shit and so do I and we're all in this together so you know that was really painful and damaging and they shouldn't have done it but I'm I'm grateful okay no stop you're this is what I think you should focus on be grateful for what you learned from the situation be grateful that you had the clarity to see what was going on be grateful for all the friends that showed up to to peel you off the kitchen floor to encourage you to cheer you to heal you to bring you soup to loan you some money because they, you got your, you know, you, your bankrupt, whatever it is. Be grateful for that. Be grateful for your ability to reach down in you and pull up all the strength you have and get through it and still be creative and still be loving and still be strong and still take care of your kids. Be grateful for that. Be grateful for everything that you learned and how much stronger you are and clearer you are. Do not be grateful to that person who treated you like shit. Do not be grateful for the cancer tumor. Do not be grateful for being scammed or ripped off or abused. Because to be grateful for that, well, I think it's just inappropriate. And it gives power away to where it shouldn't be given. It makes things, it's, 
creates this illusion that things that are very wrong and unjust are right and okay. And it keeps you a little bit asleep because it's it's stupidity. It's it's new age stupidity. Um, so I'm all for gratitude. Just be very clear and specific about what you're grateful for. And that's where the power is. That's where gratitude becomes your superpower. Mm. What gratitude practice do you do specifically? Would you share that? Like, do you have any specific kind of daily thing around that? It's daily and it's, I wouldn't say it's constant, but it's regular. So, you know, on the few days a week, if I wake up and I'm feeling funky and not awesome, Mm -hmm. I start right away. And I go, I'm so grateful for these sheets. I love these sheets. And I never, it's never, don't don't bullshit yourself about gratitude. Don't fake gratitude, but there's always something. I'm so grateful I have running water. I love this toothpaste. I love this. I'm grateful that I don't have to wear clothes today if I don't want to. Mm. Um, I just go for it. I'm so grateful for these strawberries. And just... I can feel just like a little bit of buoyancy, a little bit of lightness. And right away, what that's doing is I've put myself in the driver's seat for choosing how I feel. And and, and this is scientifically proven. Feelings of gratitude, thankful thoughts affect the chemistry in your brain. So whatever that chemical is, I think it's serotonin or is it dopamine? Whatever it is. I have just consciously started creating that chemical in my brain and lo and behold start to feel a little better I start making different choices I'm going to go for a walk I'm going to create something and then you know it's this upward spiral of a better day yeah that's I love that another concept that can also be a buzzword and I just think which I've heard you talk about as well is so overused right now is authenticity and you spoke about how there's this fad where transparency can become gimmicky and I'd love if you could parse that out of it and explain your thoughts on this because I think that that balance finding that balance between earnestness and then using your discretion with what you shared is has become so muddied even in myself and I loved your thoughts on it can you talk about that a bit you have clearly listened to every interview I've ever done (laughs) because some of these things you're asking about I've only talked about once I actually have a really great memory for who I've talked about what to so you are good okay (laughs) um it's been really nice to spend the last couple of days with you preparing for this. Like we had a great Memorial weekend together. So. All right, on. It's cozy. Okay, wait. What was the question about? About authenticity versus right, like right. Too okay, raw, okay. Too, yeah, overusage of that. Well, here's the thing. Everybody's actually being authentic all the time. Even if you're an asshole, you are being as authentic as you could possibly be in that moment. So in some ways, it's this whole thing with authenticity is silly. Even if you're faking it, you're being you. You're being a faker, right? Yeah. So that's one thing, but that's more semantics. Um, what I see happening is a lot of people are using their their so-called truth for shock value. 
and that I'm going to be raw and I'm going to be real and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to be out there and I'm going to be really transparent. I'm going to be super exposed and vulnerable because don't you want to look at that? Don't you want to drive by? Don't you want to click, watch me bleed, you know? And this is not cool for anybody involved. I mean, it's it's most damaging to the person who's doing it. So I've had a long-held philosophy that I never talk about the shit I'm in when I'm in the shit that I'm in for a couple reasons. One, I don't want anybody projecting their stuff on me. Like if I was telling you like, this is what I'm going through right now and it's really hard. I don't want you having judgments about why I'm in it. I don't need you to pray for me. I don't need you to offer solutions because I'm raw and I'm in it. I need to keep it private. I need to keep my energy contained to myself so I can get it together and heal. Then I get through the I get through it. And you never know when you're in the crises crisis you never know how it's going to turn out anyway so you got to let the story come to its natural conclusion so there's a story to tell and then you figure out what you learned and what you could have done differently and that becomes the story that's what you teach this is what happened this is how much it sucked this is how i got into it this is how i got out of it you put a bow on it you put that out publicly and that is called being of service Mm. bleeding flailing being raw is not necessarily of service when you're in it and you know maybe i'm uh am i getting old-fashioned no i'm not getting old-fashioned that kind of seems like that's therapy like that's what you do with your therapist right (laughs) exactly that's it don't i don't want to read your diary and i don't want to witness you in therapy and also this this forced rawness that I see out there. I've asked myself, like, am I getting conservative? I'm not a conservative person. I would, by most accounts, mostly my own, that's the only one that matters, be considered a progressive person. Um, But I have a reverence for elegance and the sacred. So, you know, I don't, I, I swear a lot. I never swear gratuitously. I'm not swearing for effect. This is my self expression. This is how I emphasize myself. I talk to you. Just like I'm talking to my girlfriend in my kitchen. This is who I am. But this raw stuff and the language that we're using, sometimes I just don't think people even really read back sometimes what they've written. Like, do you really want to do you really want to say that about somebody? Do you really want to put that in a you know, put that really harsh fuck this, fuck that language? in the context where you're talking about loving somebody else, like, <laughs> listen to what you are saying. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad we got to talk about that. I feel like for the past, however long we've been talking, I've been kind of putting pennies in the Danielle Laporte jukebox of things I've heard that I've really wanted you to talk about on my platform. But now I want to ask you questions that I haven't heard you talk about before. So this is when it's okay. going to get good. So okay. the stay with coming. those people. Yeah. Um, Well, okay, I've never really heard you speak on feminism directly, so I'd love to know, you know, how you found your feminism and how you define feminism or how you relate to that word today. Great question. Never been asked. Uh, I used to not relate to feminism because this was my reply if somebody were to bring it up. I've never experienced a glass ceiling. 
I don't feel oppressed or repressed. Certainly didn't feel repressed. Oppression was like, I don't get it. Because I was getting the jobs I wanted to get. I was sleeping with the guys I wanted to sleep with. I didn't get what was all of us about. Um, and then I figured out that, well, I didn't need to figure this out. I mean, I was aware of this, but I became more aware of the extensive, rampant, unchecked um, oppression of women across the world. That maybe I wasn't experiencing the oppression firsthand, but other people of my gender were. And I was honor-bound, duty-bound, genetically bound to fight for them. Therefore, I am a feminist. Then it became clear to me <laughs> that I was on the other side of um, the detriments, the extreme detriments of the patriarchal mindset. And then I, I mean, I was already on board for as to be a feminist when I woke up to what was happening culturally. And when I got clear, I wanted to really live a life of service. But then when I started to do the math, and really just, you know, I don't think it was to any lack of consciousness. It was more a lack of experience. You know, I just, I needed to go raise money and get fucked over by my male investors and really see that this really was, this was a male-female thing. And I need to have a few experiences with some male bosses and really see this was a male-female thing. And as I was starting to wake up to my own actual experiences, then I could see where the patriarchal mindset was in the water. It was in the advertising and the media messages and the educational system and the educational content. And this was very much alive and well in my own life and was affecting me in negative ways. And then when I got more refined about my relationship to feminism, I was, you know, I've been able to, well, articulate it in the way I'm articulating it here, obviously, pretty passionately, but to really take a stand that I think if you are not a feminist, you're actually not a humanist. And you are on the wrong side of universal law and loving inclination if you do not consider yourself a feminist because feminism is about equality and when we have equality we won't need feminism but right now it's it's in dire need mm. so well articulated and said like everything you shared i'm so glad i brought that up me too mm. uh, one more question before i ask you the quick questions i ask everyone okay. but I love how you talk about parenting. I'm not a mother, and I'm unsure if I ever want to be one, but when I heard you talk about motherhood on Rich Roll's podcast, I was actually like, huh, that might be something I'd actually want to participate in one day. <laughs> <laughs> because you talked, the way you talked about it just sounded really cool, and, and you talk about how you don't look at yourself as a parent to your son. You really look at it as a relationship that you're in with another human being. Could you give mm -hmm. a couple of insights on, on that and parenting and just share with some parents that might be listening or future parents? Well, when my son was first born, people would say to me, how do you like being a mother? And I was just like, well, I mean, I guess I like being a mother. It's really hard work. 
but I really like being his mother. Mm. Like, I don't want to do anything other than be his mother. It's the greatest honor of my life is to be his mother because I really like him. And yeah, I just felt, you know, this was a relationship with somebody I liked. <laughs> I mean, more than just, you know, that just that that cellular love. Um, I enjoyed him and who he was as a person. And then I really felt so fortunate. Like I used to, you know, I just would say to God sometimes, well, when I was pregnant, I would say to the universe, like, look, if you want to send me a jock, you know, <laughs> or an anxiety-riddled little soul, I'm going to do my best. I will rise to the occasion. But it would probably be a good idea if you sent me a, a really laid-back, artistic little kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I got. I mean, we're really peas in a pod. Mm. So I feel super blessed. I feel like I won the lottery. And uh, so when I get asked about parenting advice, you know, especially when I'm doing a speaking gig, I always give this disclaimer where I say, you know, look, asking me about parenting advice is like asking a trust fund kid about money because I really feel like there's been zero conflict with my child. I have no, he has no behavioral. I mean, I've rarely ever even been angry at this, at this kid. So take what you want and leave the rest. I don't know if what I've got to say is useful, but I relate to him as a person, not as his, not as an authority. And so I'm almost constantly, it's this, you know, it's this balance, constantly listening for, I mean, just what he wants to do, what is lighting him up and what is bumming him out. I rarely say no to him. I even made it a, a practice when he was little, like, you know, can I have some ice cream? Well, how about we have this? Mm-hmm. Instead of actually using the word no. And um, and at the same time, like other side of the same coin, I am on a mission to indoctrinate this kid into what I think is the best way to live life. So he's constantly like, I am, I hammer this child on how I think the universe works and what I think is right and immoral and ethical and how you should eat and um, we still have very few rules I mean now we're vegetarian I say look it's your life I've made it really clear why we don't eat meat and if you want to go do it go do it but you're not in this house I think that and I think that will be the theme for things as we progress yeah, yeah. I love that. I want to come hang out with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, we'll have some. We'll have some gluten-free something. Yeah, I mean, great. this is shit. New age chicks say, like, yeah, we'll we'll, 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 we'll cook kale. and we won't yeah. follow a recipe, and somehow it'll turn out okay. <laughs> yeah. um, something we talk about on this podcast every time is body image, and I think as women, it's something that most of us struggle with and I definitely have it's been like the biggest thing with me and I think often with being a health and wellness person and a public figure yourself how do you handle this has this ever been something that has been 
in your mind and what do you do if this happens if you have a bad body image what I call like a bad body image day so how it doesn't turn into you know a bad body image week or month how do you shift out of that feeling it's a it's a big issue it's ongoing um I like I'm, I'm so not impervious to this so when you you know, I live a kind of public, like I'm on stage, right? Mm-hmm. There's lots of pictures of me now. And um, I have, I'm constantly having to think about what I'm going to wear on stage. And there's this balance between some of it's just body image stuff. And some of it is just the practicalities of being in the business where, look, if you, if dear photographer, if you shoot me from below, and on the side, it's not flattering for any woman. It puts on like a good 20 pounds. It ages me. If you don't have the right lighting, I look tired when I'm actually not tired. I'm healthy and I'm vibrant. Don't make me look older than I look. Don't discol- don't don't put that filter on because I look Latina and I'm not Latina. I'm just a Canadian girl. <laughs> I'm a mutt. You know, like so I want to look like the the true me and the best me, which means I actually have to put an extra thought to what I wear and the shape of my eyeglasses and my hair and all of that. And I've gotten much more, um, um, what's the word? Controlling is the word with images of myself. Like, you know, I just did a shoot, a video and photography shoot uh, earlier this year and they sent me the first draft this doesn't happen often I mean usually you walk out of that shoot and they pay for the shoot they're going to put up the photos I want to put up and this crew was women and we all loved each other and they said well we'll, we'll send you the first draft they sent it to me I said you guys this does not make me look good and this does not make you look good so you need to you need to adjust you need to adjust the the saturation on this and do it right. And they did. You know, photo comes out. I go, don't put that photo up of me. That's not me. Take that down. Use this one. That's where I look the best. That's me. Um, constantly thinking about losing just another ten pounds. Just just another ten, and then I wouldn't have to worry about what I wear on stage. I wouldn't have to worry about the angle. So it's always there. So that's there. And let me give you the end and the ellipses because this is really important. Okay. I always feel sexy. Always. There's most days of the week I feel beautiful. I feel attractive and fuckable and great naked. I never question um, my attractiveness um, because I feel all of me. I am... I'm radiant and I'm sensual and I'm loving and I'm bright and I got lots of things going for me. Um, So it all balances out. Like I keep getting on stage and feeling great when I'm up there and I still make sure I don't wear horizontal stripes. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, yeah, I'm really, yeah. really, really, really glad you said the ellipses and the, the other part because, first of all, it's true. You are all of those things, and one of the most beautiful people 
to me that I admire and you, you don't know this but for years like as I was you have been a role model I'm like why am I like crying right now um but specifically with body image and your confidence has been so it's been like a constant with me in the last five years that I've you know come out of an eating disorder and gone through all of these things and found mm. things and unfound things and had all of these different things and I think if I would have, if you would have stopped before the ellipsis, and I think sometimes when I hear, and this is all women, you know, because we all nitpick ourselves, but I think when I hear some people that I look at as so beautiful and so confident in themselves and hear them say, you know, I want to lose another 10 pounds or I want to this or that, of course we want to change things about ourselves. And that's part of being earnest and real and, and talking about that. It's great to hear that too. That's helpful to know that you have those thoughts too, but it's also so great to hear you say that confidence that you have and knowing that that's a part of you. And anyway, thank you for just saying all the things mm. you said. <laughs> Thanks for asking. It's like, it's a conversation that needs to be had, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, one more thing I really want to talk to before these quick fire questions. I, my book came out, my first book came first. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. A book that I wrote came out last year and it's about journaling and I always like to ask other people about their relationships with journaling. And you're obviously a prolific and beautiful writer and poet. So have you or are you ever a journaler? And, and what has that looked like for you? Mm. I was. I, I don't consider myself a journaler, but I, ha I write. <laughs> so let me right. explain what that means. Um, I have books, usually moleskins. I'm very particular about what I write in. And what I write with, I have I write with the same pencil all the time. And you know, you know that moment when you reach into your bag and you can't find your phone. Yeah. <gasps> so that little heart attack. I have that same moment about my pencil. Okay, so moving on. Um, I write down notes from therapy sessions. I I kind of quote journal a little bit about ideas. Um, I mostly use my desire map day planner to write out my core desired feelings and my ideas for the week and what I'm grateful for. But what I don't do, so, so maybe that all falls into your bucket of journaling. What I don't do is I never write this happened. I went here and I did this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't, I just, I was like, oh, I was there when it happened. When I don't right. need to write about it. <laughs> I don't yeah. even write how I felt about stuff that happened. So I very, yeah, that's, I don't know, what do you call that? Am I, what am I? I think you're a journaler. I think it's just a way that people process the world. You know, my book was 55 journaling exercises, so prompts to kind of just go into your mind and ask you questions, kind of like your your questions in, you know, the conversation starter app that you have or something, but for writing. And I think, you know, going through the world and writing things down, I'm the same way, whether it's like in my phone or in a, in my planner or whatever, I think it gives things meaning like we were talking about before. Got it. Okay. I'm a journaler. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you say so. Okay. So these are fun, quick fire questions. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Love it. Go. Favorite color. <sighs> All of them. <laughs> and I can't. Light. Light. Mm. Ooh, nice. Favorite day of the week? Mm. 
I I like all of them. <laughs> so far, not good. Um, that works. Okay, I like every day. Yeah. What are your morning routines? Maybe the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning, and how that affects how the rest of your day goes. I meditate. I make sh- my kid does not leave the house without getting hugged or snuggled, and uh, I always. Five days out of, week, out, out of the week, I have a smoothie. And then I'll add a fourth one. I obsessively check Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, what about in the evening? What are the last few things you do before you go to sleep? And how do you wind down and relax at the end of the day? It's kind of all the same. <laughs> Upset. One more. Just one more. Just check one more. Heart. One more little image. Um, music is huge in my life. So there's always some kind of evening soundtrack that's happening in the house. And there's a lot of bathing that happens for me. So like salt and oils. Yeah, the evening bath is a big thing. Mm, love a good bath. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite questions from your Conversation Starters app is this one, and I'm going to ask it to you. So what is one thing that you want more than anything? Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Mm. Well, one thing that the one of them is very private, and one is to really never stop creating. Mm. I love that. What is one thing you wish people knew about you that they don't, if there's anything? Mm. Well, my inner circle knows this, but I, I'm very generous. Mm. Yeah. I can sense that. I feel like your outer circle, speaking for them, knows that too. <laughs> Mm. what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week oh well it was just my birthday so let me think happy birthday thanks um best thing I've eaten in the week like what went down oh I had the most glutinous cheesy margarita pizza (laughs) Mm. yeah and it was great with uh uh vodka tonic double lime yeah. What's your greatest lesson on family? You choose your family in every way. <laughs> I mean, you choose them, you know, esoterically, and you choose the people who are going to walk yeah. with you through the life, your life. Cool. Greatest lesson on romantic relationships? Do, your job is not to ever be your partner's therapist. Mm. Oh, that's really good. What about where are you with spirituality and God and what do you think happens when we die? Is this one of your standard questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we live thousands of incarnations in many dimensions. So we're just going to go on to the next chosen assignment. And who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm, we may be living parallel lives now. So mm. there is no full stop, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, this question is just really an opportunity for you to recommend things that you love in these categories. So pretend okay. that you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you one mm -hmm. book, one movie, one TV show or like series, and one food. What would you bring? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, one book. Um, one book. I might bring the Radiance Sutras. Um... Okay, or something by Rumi. All right, then one movie. food, yeah. one movie. <gasps> oh, one movie. That's so hard. You can um, recommend a couple because I kind of want to know your favorite. Okay, movie, so <laughs> um, oh, I'll bend the rules. Shit, what's the? It's one of my favorite movies. Um, oh God, I want to Google it right now. Why am I? Time. What's the name of the movie? Are you in front of a computer? Let's yeah, get this yeah, yeah. right. We need to get it right for people. Um, Google, um, it's about time. Time is I'll in the call title. Research. Dominic. He's Dominic somebody and time. Rachel McAdams. Google oh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About time. Okay. About time is one of my favorite oh, movies cool. ever. Um, my two favorite films, they're... They're sequels. They, you must watch them together. The first one is Wings of Desire. Oh, yeah. And, oh. You're like the fourth and person to mention that to me recently. It's a, it's a must. And the second one that comes after it is Far Away So Close. And those movies, I mean, they're about angels coming to Earth. And it takes place in Berlin and London. And, and Lou Reed and Nick Cave. I'm like, my God, are you kidding their work of art, the directors, cool. Vim, Vim Vendors. And a third movie, um, oh, well, I tell you, I've watched The Thomas Crown Affair more than I care to admit. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen it. Oh, Pierce Brosnan and Renee Musso, and it's really great. It's okay, great it's on film. my list. Is there anything recently movie-wise that you'd recommend to people or...? Recently, Captain Fantastic, I thought was oh, incredible. I loved it. I know. Loved it. And you so talk about good. unschooling people. Yes. And I really did think Moonlight was yes. a work of art and, and deserved beautiful. the Oscar. Me too. But Moonlight is one of those films that you'll never want to watch again. Yeah. It's so intense. You're just like, ah, oh, that was beautiful. I'm good. Yeah, totally. Um, With the colors in that. And, oh, and so good. I'll tell you, um, Far From the Matting Crowd with Carrie, I forget her last name. It's an incredible analysis, and I have to give all full credit to my therapist for this. Um, it's a great analysis in different types of men, because she goes through three men in that film, and to really look at it through a Jungian perspective and see which man is treating her in certain ways and why she ends up with who she ends up with. Oh, Fascinating. Cool. I really mm -hmm. need to watch that. You'll watch it very differently if you're wow. looking for. Watch the guy she ends up with and why and how he is with her throughout the whole time. Okay. What's yeah, it called again? Far really, from the. Far from the matting crowd. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Lots of good okay. suggestions. Okay. TV Movies. show. TV show. <sighs> don't really watch TV, although we do record um, uh, 
God, I think I need my sugar. My memory's shot right now. Uh, oh, Modern Family. Oh, yeah. And I think it's brilliant writing. I la- I laugh out loud for at least 15 of the 22 <laughs> minutes. I love it. Love it. That's great. What about yeah. food that you love? Food? Yeah. Pineapple, um, chocolate, almonds, yeah. macaroni and cheese, baked potatoes. I mean, if I'm on an island. Yeah. I'm going to, it's not, yeah. I should probably bring some more practical things like some Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts are so good for you. Oh, they're so and good. And cherries, uh, really great for the iron. And some spinach. There you go. You can even blend it all up and make a nice smoothie. I got that. a smoothie. <laughs> I got to bring my Cuisinart. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Okay. This was amazing. One more thing I just like wrote down on my notepad that I want to ask you. I admire you so much. That's clear. We get we get it. I've said it a million times. But you are so articulate and poised. Do you have any tips or have you always been this way? And obviously with your writing, but also with your speaking and just the way you communicate, you're so eloquent. Do you have any tips? Meditate. You need – now maybe meditation isn't your thing right now. You have to have some practice or form of stillness in your life whether it's laying on your living room floor, listening to music, or just two minutes in silence, or praying in the bathtub, or walk around the block and not thinking about work or your relationship, just stillness. Mm. You have to wash your mind. (laughs) You need to declutter. Without that, you can't access your creativity. And, you know, I, I... I think I'm able to be articulate because, you know, now I'm, I'm reaching for the words. I love the irony. <laughs> but I'm able to be articulate because I'm constantly just trying to clear stuff off. Like, think about it, let it go. Analyze it, move on. Feel it, feel it, feel it. So you know who you are and where you are in space and time. And then when somebody asks you a question, you know the answer because – your home and your body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's amazing. I I was feeling really anxious and just kind of like scattered and stressed today and excited about this at the same time. And I knew that as soon as I talked to you, it would all be okay. And it was just like, as soon as we started speaking, I felt cozy and like I was getting a hug. So thank you so, so much. <laughs> well, you pulled it off. I mean, you didn't sound anxious at all. Oh, well, thank you. The name of this podcast is Let It Out. So is there anything else that you want to let out or that you feel like you wish I would have asked you about? Oh, we covered a lot. Um, Is there anything else? You know, I would just say to everybody, what's the conversation you need to have with yourself? What's the conversation you need to have here with yourself where you just, you go for that walk or you sit down and you just get real about what you're going to stop doing. Yeah. Mm. So that you can be awesome. It's not, I really want to be clear about the tone here. It's not like, oh, I need to, I need to stop doing that. And I need to stop doing that because I'm a loser and I don't have that right. No, it's like, what are you going to say no to so that you can do the things that really light you up? What are you going to retire from? Quit. So, yeah, so you can expand. And as you've been saying too, and really so you can give to the world and you can be 
of service to other people, right? Yeah. I mean, that's eventually you hit this place where they overlap, mm-hmm. where you're feeling full and you are your priority and you're loving yourself and respecting yourself. And like, you know what to say no to. And then you realize, wow, all this, all this love I have inside myself, I feel connected to everybody else. I want to ease their suffering. I want to help them. So yeah, you loving yourself helps you become a more loving human being towards everybody. How do you remind yourself when you forget, when you're, when you're feeling really terrible about yourself? Is, is there a certain thing you do to kind of come back to that? Well, I remind myself that I'm a loving person. <laughs> I mean, because usually, you know, all of my criticism towards myself has something to do with, you know, I didn't fully show up or I was too harsh or too sharp. Or and that's where I hit the pause button and say, you know, you're a loving person, Danielle. I mean, I know I've got a great heart. Everybody's got a great heart. Most people have a great heart. I mean, some people incarnate and they're pure evil. That's a very real this is a very real earthly dynamic but I mean most of us so good to the core and you just remind yourself of that you make a different choice the next time Mm. yeah wow okay well this was amazing and we've been talking for an hour 11 minutes and 11 seconds now and I'm so grateful that you exist and that you did this podcast and I hope we get to talk lots more in, in this lifetime and all of the next mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> I am so appreciative for like you re- like you knocked it out with research. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Aww. This is like so juicy. And you know, this is the thing about I, I'm gonna write about how to be great on a podcast and how to give a great you know, on be on both sides. And one of them is of course, do your homework. Um, but the reason why it's so important to do your homework is it creates this magic. Like all these good questions had me remember things I haven't remembered in a long time, haven't talked about. So you got the best out of me. Thank you. Oh my goodness. All right. That was my episode with Danielle. I know that you loved her as much as I did because she's just a really lovable person. Check out her book. Go see her speak if she's coming somewhere near you. I hope I see a lot of you guys at Wonderlust this weekend. This week, I guess. And check out Nudu. Again, N-U-D-U. And use the code LETITOUT for 20% off your order. That's LETITOUT at checkout. And they're great. They don't use any funky chemicals. They use really great ingredients. Their products smell amazing. My skin loves them. I think yours will too. And check out Gabby Bernstein's free video series all about releasing your blocks to abundance and she's great i love her so check it all out i am recording a podcast this afternoon in person i'm not even gonna tell you who it is just watch my instagram stories find me on instagram i'm at katie delbout and follow me on twitter we can be friends there on all the social medias i love you guys and the emoji for this week's episode oh completely forgot that that's something we do um, ooh, okay, the emoji. Let's use the coffee cup. It just came to me, and I maybe I need some coffee. I don't even drink coffee. Maybe I need some tea. So use the coffee mug if you're still listening right now. Tweet it at me. Tweet it at Danielle. Let us know your feelings about this episode, anything that stuck out to you. And I'll talk to you guys next week. 
Love you. Bye.